Welcome to the Retroenix Podcast. In this podcast, your host, Lori and me, will interview published authors to chat about their work, journey to getting published, and their book recommendations. If you share a passion for books and are always looking for your next read, then join us. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to the Retroenix Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So happy to have you here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I have I'm a writer of psychological suspense and um, my fourth uh, thriller actually just came out called Don't Look For Me. And then I also just released an Audible original um, called Hold Your Breath. So I am just wrapping up all my promotions of that and diving into my next book. Gosh, so I read pretty much all your books. I'm except Hold Your Breath. So now I know I can pick it up. Yeah, that one is on only on Audible and it's a novella. And if you read all my books, then you'll be familiar with Dr. Forrester from All Is Not Forgotten, which was my breakout thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that that enabled me to stop my other job as a divorce lawyer and focus full time on writing. And I brought him back uh, for a novella, um, which is uh you know, a great format for this, um, this little sequel, but it's also a standalone. You don't have to have read all is not forgotten, but if you have, you'll definitely enjoy seeing what happened to Dr. Forrester three years after. So it was a lot of fun to write him again. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. So what inspired you to become a writer? Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a, um, a strange story. I never thought I would be a writer. I uh, was an investment banker right out of college. And then I was um, a lawyer and I practiced uh, corporate litigation. And then I became a stay-at-home mom. And I thought I would just take a few years off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then within the first, you know, six months of sitting on the floor playing with toys and, you know, <laughs> really having no, it, nothing of my own that was moving forward. And I could just feel you know, this, this sense of, um, uh, something missing. And so it was the first time in my life that I gave myself permission to try something that didn't have an established path to success. And Mm I had always been very, very practical. I come from a practical family. Um, you know, we came from, um, you know, immigrants who came over, um, from different countries in Europe. And my, both of my parents were the first uh, of a generation born here. So, you know, there was a lot of um, American dream, you know, each generation doing better than the next and helping the next to, to progress and to achieve things. And, you know, that's a very practical way, right, of going about, um, about life. And so it never occurred to me to do something that was risky, right, that you could spend 20 years trying to be an artist or a writer and have no um, security or financial success. So, this was the first time I had gave my like ha- had that opportunity to try something um, that was uncertain. And writing is what came into my head. So I must have had the desire to do it all along. Mm-hmm. And when I had that break in my sort of you know ambitious um, schedule of of work, um, that's what I that's what I did. I love this. And so, did you always want to show our thrillers, or was this something that you just you know, you got inspired, the story inspired you to start writing within that niche. Well, I actually started writing just general fiction about the world around me. So I became very um, interested in suburban culture and, you know, 
what happens when women give up their sort of high powered careers and focus on family life and become economically dependent. So I wrote these, they weren't really sort of funny chiclet stories. They were more um, just fiction stories about, about women's lives in suburbia. And um, they both, they got published, but they did not, um, they didn't sell well enough for me to not do something financially, you know, lucrative. So I went back to practicing divorce law after all three of my kids were, um, were in school full time. Mm -hmm. And that was the work I found out in suburbia was after 14 years of not practicing law, um, I, I sort of reinvented myself by volunteering at legal services and then getting a job um, in family law. So I did that for five years, but I kept writing. And I was sort of at the end of my rope. Um, I had an, a new agent and I'd written a whole other novel and screenplays and nothing was sort of breaking through and breaking me out um, in, in the um, universe of, of writing. And, um, and I asked her, um, it, you know, if I'm going to write one last book and really try to make it, uh, what would it be? Like I've written so many different, different types of books and, and she said, you know, gone girl and girl on a train, you know, this, this genre of psychological suspense is exploding and you already write sort of dark stories and you have all this training in psychology from, working in family law and maybe that's something you should try. And it was actually the perfect fit. Um, I studied the genre. I had to learn how to write an unreliable narrator and use more close third person and first person, which I hadn't really done before. And um, so I had to sort of get some new tools in my writer's toolbox because mm -hmm. I'm not a trained writer. I never studied writing. Um, and then I wrote All Is Not Forgotten. And I took a couple months off from my law practice and wrote that novel like so quickly because it was going to be my last novel. Um, mm -hmm. I just, I couldn't keep writing and practicing law and, and I'm being a single mom at the time to three, you know, very active boys like something had to give. And so it just, it was the perfect combination of my skill set, my knowledge that I had acquired over many years um, and, uh, and a genre that was exploding. So right place, right time. Um, what do they say about, um, about success is that it's, it's, um, it's when an opportunity meets, yeah. meets being prepared or something like that. That's, that's yeah. basically what happened. I was prepared and the opportunity was there and I was able to sort of catch that wave and, um, yeah. And I love it. I would never go back to writing anything else. I absolutely love it. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, will you go back to a different genre? But you found, you found a niche um, enough, like a genre enough that, that people want to thrive into it. They're looking for they're, they're looking for your next read and you're giving them that. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really been, it's been a great fit for me because it's so diverse. Um, even though, um, you know, you, you do need to have some elements in it that are um, consistent from book to book, uh, but they're pretty broad. I mean, all of my books are standalones and they are all extremely different um, in the feel of them, in the narration style, um, in the pacing. Uh, so hopefully they're all engaging, but they are all very different. So I feel like I have a lot of room um, uh, to, you know, to expand and grow. 
Um, at the same time, you know, there are certain elements that you do need to have and certain sort of notes that you have to hit in each book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that does, you know, that does sort of, um, you know, keep you in, in a little bit of a, of a boxed in area, but it's, it's a pretty big box. So. That's awesome. And so when it comes to writing a thriller, how do you come up with the first twists and turns? Like, do you, do you, this is related to, do you follow an outline or do you see where the story leads you? Or is it just something you just, you do write a first draft and then you go back and like, okay, this needs to be tweaked or this needs to Uh, Yeah, it's such a good question. And I'm a big outliner, first of all. So I usually will come up with a story idea and it it can come from anywhere. So don't look for me. Uh, The idea came from a real life moment that I had and I ended up basing the story in a town very similar to where this moment happened. And I built the plot around that, like from that first scene. And uh, Emma in the Night was sort of a, just a general concept about, you know, what what's it like to sort of go missing and then come back after many years. And then I sort of came up with the ending, the twist, and then I built the entire book around the twist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always plot... I always plot everything out because I need a road roadmap to know where I'm going. Um, because for me, the, all of the, uh, the twists and turns, uh, have to be timed correctly so that they are suspenseful and that the reader never feels blindsided by them. Um, and you don't, you can't get that with everyone. Some readers are going to guess your ending and some readers are going to feel blindsided, Um, but you try to get, you know, the largest number of readers that you can to feel like really surprised, but then really satisfied because if they go back and look at how you laid out all the clues, they're there. They just were, you know, they were in different places that, that sort of, you know, kept the, the ending, um, hidden. So, um, for me to do that, I have to have it all laid out. So I, I definitely plot it all out and it does change. I'll come up with a new twist or I'll come up with a new ending even, and then I'll have to go back and, you know, rewrite parts of it and add new things. And, but it's always, um, you know, it's, it's always plotted out. I love this. And so let's talk about characters because you do play a role <laughs> in the story. How do you develop your characters? Did it come to you? Do you brainstorm about them beforehand? How do you realize which one's unreliable? Which one is? Yeah. So I guess, um, you know, the first thing I try to do is figure out, figure out who is telling this story. Mm-hmm. So for, for example, with All is Not Forgotten, that book was really about memory science and this concept. So that, that book really was born from a concept of, you know, what if we get to the point in, in the progression of, of memory alteration where we could selectively alter certain memories or prevent certain memories from um, even being sort of stored in long-term memory, um, altogether. And would that be beneficial? And then what would the implications be for, uh, a, a violent crime where forgetting, uh, and, and not having memory might actually prevent you from getting justice. You might not be able to testify or even help identify your assailant. So, um, that was the concept. And then I was, I had, I knew all the characters who were involved and whose 
whose voices I wanted to get out and I couldn't figure out you know, who was gonna tell this story. So that's always how I approach the characters unless, unless the book begins with a character. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes a book will begin with a character. Like I really wanna write about, you know, a detective or I really wanna write about this girl who, you know, has this certain personality. Um, if it's, then then it's it's more apparent that it's a character, you know, character driven from the start. But mm-hmm. if it's more of the plot or a, a concept that starts the plot, then it's always who's the best person to tell the story. And, and then I develop those characters um, first. It doesn't mean there won't be other characters who are also developed throughout, but the narrators of the story are the ones that I that I develop first, and I decide if I'm going to write them in first person or or third person, and um, and you know how many there will be. So it's really um, I think that's that's one of the hardest parts when you start a book is deciding who's going to tell it and who these characters are, mm-hmm. um, and then from there I think character development is just so so important mm-hmm. and and there's um, I feel like I'm always learning and hopefully getting better at it with each book, but there's, there's a, a way to get across to your reader what this character is about mm-hmm. and their personality traits without taking up too much page space. Because the thing about suspense is you want to keep the plot moving. These are not mm-hmm. character studies. These are, you know, plot driven cycle, sometimes, you know, psychological studies but you know we don't want four pages about what a character is wearing unless it's important to the plot. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, so I'm always looking for quick snapshots that will say in in one or two sentences, you know, four pages worth of information. Like, you know, does the character order a Chardonnay or Scotch straight up? Like to me, that says a lot about who that person is sitting at the bar and and mm-hmm. what you know, and and what their personality might be like. So, um, yeah, so I, I always, I always try to sketch it out in my mind, but I don't, I don't do a full, some people will write it all out and have a spreadsheet on their characters. I don't actually do that. I kind of think about them and get to know them in my head and then they, they come out on the page. I love this. Yeah. I think it's like, it's fascinating how characters are developed because the author knows more than the reader does and so but the author gives us the clues about it and like you mentioned like just even saying like what did you drink it can tell so much about the character itself like the personality what exactly they like you know right yeah no it and I I truly believe that you have to have an emotional connection to the characters um and also a really great plot for mm-hmm. um for a book to be truly compelling and um, and absorbing. And some, some characters, you know, can be unlikable, but you still find them so fascinating that you want to stay with them and keep reading them. Um, but don't look for me, actually, you know, what I've been hearing from my readers that they love the most is that they were so deeply connected and, um, to my characters and rooting for them. And they felt this emotional, um, pull um, toward these characters and the struggle that they were going through, not just in the in the plot of the book itself, but um, but in the the backstory that was built into their family, mm-hmm. which was very tragic. So 
you know, you're sort of fighting for them to get through this current situation, but you're also um, fighting for them to uh, to heal from the past and to move forward and to, you know, find each other again emotionally uh, and heal as a family. So yeah, every book has its own, its own uh, take on the characters, but character is so, so important. Yeah. So talking to Joan, look for me, I don't want to, um, with thrillers, I tend not to go into the plot because it's, you know, there's a lot of like surprises that that's the whole point of just reading time, try to go blind. So what would be a teaser um, for someone who's like looking to pick this book up, but just, yeah. just wants to go like, surprise me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no. So, um, no, I, you know, it, it's, um, it, the setup is basically, a, you know, Molly Clark, who, wife and mother, um, uh, who goes to visit her son at his boarding school and on her way home, she disappears. And everyone comes to believe after a short period of time that she walked away from her life. Mm -hmm. And two weeks later, her daughter, Nicole, who's 21, um, she gets a call from a woman with a new lead that brings her back to this very small, eerie town uh, that's off a back road where her mother was last seen. And uh, she is determined to find her mother uh, regardless of the circumstances. Even if she walked away, um, she's going to find her. And it's this this new clue that sort of jolts her out of um, this emotional um, sort of stagnant place that they've been. Um, and she decides she's going to fight um, with everything she has to find her mother. And there are two narrations at work and there's a split time frame. So it's a really immersive, fast paced read because you're with Molly, you know where Molly is. You're with her every uh, hour, every minute of what happens to her. And then you're with Nicole starting two weeks later. So in every chapter, you know something that the character doesn't know. And then you find out something new and you bring that into the next chapter. So it's very immersive in that way. But the emotional pull of the story is that five years before Molly disappears, um, she um, uh, lost her youngest child to a terrible accident and she feels responsible for the accident and she's never been able to move past it. And Nicole, who was the, her, the older sister of little Annie, also feels guilty about it. And the two of them, have been drowning in this guilt and grief for five years and their family has just been slowly dying. And that's where you meet them. And there's something about this situation of Molly being held captive and, and wanting to get back to her family and Nicole desperate to find her mother that jolts them awake and out of this guilt and grief. And they realize how much they love each other and love their family and want to get back what they had. Um, so there's nothing, it's not a, it's not a horror book. There's no uh, violence really. There's no sexual violence. There's no physical violence um, where, you know, in what happens to Molly. Um, it's really psychological suspense and action and emotion and all that good stuff. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> I think I was just like, I'm, I, I tend to be picky about thrillers and I, you know, you're one of my go-to authors oh, that, I, that I go to because I know like when I'm like when I'm gonna get us something, it's gonna it's gonna be unique, it's gonna be it's gonna be twisty, but it's gonna be like 
um engaging like the book is gonna get me like get me going so I really love this like I feel like you've gotten better and better like each book thank you thank you <laughs> you know but I love them all <laughs> like it's just oh, like thanks it's like it's great so thank you. yeah I, I'm you know I I hope I'm getting better and I do I li- I listen to my readers so I I listen to what they say and I um t- you know what they like and what they didn't like. And I try to bring that with me into the next book. I don't read all of my reviews, but I read, I read everything on Instagram, um, which I think tends to be a, a nice place to interact with readers. Mm-hmm. And um, they're not just flat reviews. You get to sort of see conversations about your books and the things that people are saying, and you can comment and ask questions. And, um, and that's been really, really fun. Um, uh, I have to say the one thing that the one nice thing that's come out of sort of the quarantining period for me is that I did step up my Instagram activity and presence um, to help promote the book. And I, it's just mm-hmm. been like really, and, and also podcasts and, blo- you know, blog book bloggers. Um, and it's really been wonderful to, to be able to have, have this kind this, like what we're having right now, a conversation mm-hmm. about the book. So. I love this. So what are you working next? <laughs> Not that I'm oh even so, Yeah, it's been so, it's been so difficult to decide um, what to do next. Um, I, I feel as though, well, I did um, hold your breath. I wrote over the summer and that just came out, which was that the novella. Mm-hmm. And that was wonderful. It was so nice to go back to a character that I just love writing and, um, it's there when, when you, you know, when you can get into the head of a character and become that character and it, it just is so seamless, the, 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 um, the sort of transferring of the, the character onto, onto the page for the reader. Um, so what I'm working on next is something that I, I drafted right at the start of the pandemic. And it was a story that I was, was just in my head and it's uh, a little bit similar to all is not forgotten in that it's very character driven and it's one um with one narrator uh, yeah. so it's um we'll see i have to see if it works uh but um i'm hoping that it, it does I'm, I'm revising it now and uh, and we'll see uh, but other than that i have a uh, if if it doesn't work and I don't like how it comes out, I have I have a couple other story ideas that are that are on the back burner that could easily be brought forward. Uh, so, but they're they're too too early to to say what they are. So, yeah. Well, that sounds exciting. Even though I understand writing the pandemic is a whole different ballgame than writing before the pandemic. I think even just working in the pandemic. So. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. There's just such a heightened level of um, baseline anxiety that, mm-hmm. um, and writing, you know, you have to, you have to settle into it and you have to have a kind of um, confidence that, that the story is working and that, you know, you should actually be spending all of this time, you know, writing two pages, like your entire day, sometimes it's two pages or three pages, sometimes more, but, you know, sometimes it's all you get and you just stare at the screen. And it's been really challenging to, um, to do that with an all, with an already sort of high level of just baseline anxiety about life. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I feel it, I I definitely feel it. Uh, And at the beginning, it, 
it propelled me forward and I got a draft really quickly. And then when I went to start something new, it, uh, I, I felt paralyzed by it. And mm-hmm. um, luckily I was able to turn to promoting, which is a different kind of energy. And you can see the results and you can see the progress and you're busy, busy, busy. Um, but uh, I feel it even now sitting down every morning, it's, it takes just a little bit of extra mental um, encouragement to, um, to dive in and have, you know, and, and not let the, you know, the anxiety get to you because really writing that's, that is what to me, that's what writer's block is. It is Mm -hmm. having all of these decisions to make about the plot, the narrator, the characters, you know, where things are going and, and being, uncertain as to whether those ideas are going to um, resonate with readers mm-hmm. and that's anxiety producing. So yeah. there's already built in anxiety with writing and certainly the pandemic has not helped. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what kind of self-care are you doing? You know, now I'm curious. Oh, self-care. Oh my gosh. Um, really exercise is pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And um I, you know, still, I had a house full of kids for a while and now I'm down to one. Uh, so there is more time, but really, um, I, I, I've been exercising a lot. I, um, and out and hiking and running in the woods. Um, but I, um, uh, and, and also seeing, you know, my little pot of friends, it has been absolutely crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I, I remember so distinctly the first time that we decided it was safe to meet in person after Mm -hmm. doing zoom, um, cocktail hours and phone calls for a couple of months and, um, seeing just these two friends, not hugging, not touching, being outside, you know, this was back when we really didn't know anything, like what would keep us safe and how contagious it was. And I almost cried, like just seeing them in person. And I realized how incredibly important personal relationships are. So um, that has been a priority for me, making sure I see my friends um, that are in my sort of pod of, you know, of uh, safe, you know, quarantine buddies and, um, and then trying to just stay healthy. Yeah, well, that's where we can do it. You know, just like, I think it's, you know, keeping sane in the midst of insanity. Yeah you know and like we're going through and it goes in waves like right now I feel like it's just heightened when we went back to quarantine I feel like I just you know the past few weeks has just been like going back to quarantine yeah so it's like the anxiety is like it's paralyzing and you're just like embracing it and doing the things that are gonna combat it you know as best as you can so yeah, I think you know it's it 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 is not um, it is not easy. It's uh, it, what's fascinating to me about it, um, and and also the response to "Don't Look for Me" is that uh, people are really needing that extra hook and pull mm-hmm. to get into a book because it's very. And I find this for myself as well. We we ha- the anxiety triggers a fight or flight impulse in us. And yet we, we can't do either where we are, you know, we're told to stay home and do nothing. Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, but when you have that fight or flight instinct triggered, the, 
the absolute worst thing you can do is tell yourself that you should sit down and read a book, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're, you're not looking around, you're not protecting yourself, you're not doing anything to, to be, you know, proactive. Um, and you're letting your mind go to, you know, be, be taken away from thinking about what's going to keep you safe. And so I think it takes an extra, you know, amount of immersive um, and propulsiveness um, in a book to, um, you know, to really make a reader go, um, you know, be able to, to, uh, to dive in and, and stay engaged. Yeah. So we shall see. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hopefully, hopefully we're coming towards the end. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll come to the end and, you know, things are going to change hopefully. So we'll yeah. See. So tell us where you can find you online. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so you can find me on my website. Um, that has everything that you need to know. It's wendywalkerbooks.com. Um, but I'm on Instagram at Wendy Walker author and I'm on Facebook at Wendy Walker author and on Twitter, Wendy underscore Walker. Um, so I'm pretty easy to find on all of those social media sites. Uh, but if you want to really read more about the books, I have, um, really fun book trailers video interviews um, that are, you know, edited and short and kind of fun to watch uh, with all different author friends um, on my website. So, if, you know, you want to see different uh, thriller writers um, with, you know, new books that came out over the past year. I've interviewed a ton of people. So there's a lot of fun stuff on my website. Um, but if you want to just, you know, have a quick, a quick look at things, um, definitely, um, Instagram is probably where I have uh, the most presence and uh, the most content. Um, yeah. So, but I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm easily found. <laughs> Thank you, Wendy, for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me and stay, stay safe and sane. And, <laughs> and hopefully we'll see you again on the other side. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share with friends, subscribe, rate and review the show. This is the easiest way to support this podcast. Once you connect with fellow women's readers and make new friends, get weekly book recommendations, attend monthly meetups, then join our Patreon community. You can join at whatreadnextblog.com slash Patreon. Romance lovers, check out Queen Bee Reads Etsy shop for cute and comfortable bookish apparel. The shop also features social justice apparel and fun items from some of your favorite TV shows like The Shit Scrakes and The Office. Use code whatread10 to save. Visit whatreadnextblog.com slash queenbeereads. What to Read Next podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Discover new podcasts to love on frolic.media slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.